0: Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Niraj Kalia. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. As always, you can find more Real Sports Talk by Niraj on Apple, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, and many other platforms, so do check it out and... Um, always appreciate everyone listening, checking it out, Um, keep it going, and I hope you're all having a good start to the week and staying uh, uh, enjoying this nice weather, just getting better and better as we get into the days of spring coming up soon, so it's going to be nice for that. So, today's episode, I'm going to talk more about NFL free agency, some of the signings, some of the things that are reportedly... Will be in place by tomorrow um march madness uh it's gonna start tonight with first four and matchups i think in action so it's going to be great to see how those those games turn out uh let's hope Rutgers can uh make it past and get into the first round um, a lot of excitement, obviously, for March Madness um, for the men's and women's bracket with all the teams that have some great shots to make a run at it. It's going to be fun to see how that all shapes out. Uh, obviously, millions of people are filling out their brackets and trying to see who will be there, and I'm one of those for sure, so that's a great thing as well. Um, NBA, obviously, heating up with a lot of performances overall and some teams stepping up, so... I hope to get into a little bit of all those two things uh possibly later on in this episode or later this week Uh, but where i want to start is a lot of the free agency movement uh that was reported and uh and you know talked about yesterday obviously a lot of teams are being aggressive in terms of getting their free agents and landing the key areas they have to address on their teams And so we've already seen quite a bit of movement on a lot of free agents and probably more to come as it continues on. Uh, But let's start with some of the quarterbacks that will be having um, new homes next season. And so let's start with Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky um, has landed a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe for two years, for Either 14 million or 12 million, 12 million, something in that range, and it's kind of a surprising move for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, because you felt like they were going to go in a different direction, maybe try to go after Deshaun Watson, maybe if they could, or maybe you know a Jimmy Garoppolo or a you know Marcus Mariota. Instead, they go with Mitchell Trubisky, who obviously has been able to uh, show something in the last year or so when he was with the Buffalo Bills under Josh Allen and Brian Dable. You know, uh, Trubisky obviously had something of a career where, you know, he was obviously a high pick and things in Chicago didn't really work out after that second and you know after, after that first year. And so Pittsburgh bringing in Mitchell Trubisky is very interesting. I don't know if it's a a move that helps them to be honest um, win a whole lot of games in 2022. Now, did it surprise me last year by getting into the postseason somehow, some way they got into it with the record that, that they did? Um, but Trubisky is still, you know, he's a he's still, you know, a young quarterback. Uh, you know, 25, 27, I believe. Uh, he does bring something to the offense a little bit um, if he can beat out Mason Rudolph. And that's the key Is I think Pittsburgh is more likely to have a starting quarterback competition um, this year with Trubisky and with Mason Rudolph. Now, I still think the Steelers should draft a quarterback. I think they would, uh, if they don't do that, it'll kind of be something where they're going to miss out on some prospects. Um, but then again, it's not a huge quarterback And um, you know, the, the, the draft class is not uh, it's, it's not a sure thing and there's not, it's not a sure thing sometimes with these prospects, but the quarterbacks in this year's draft They all have their upsides their downsides um, But there are some promising talents and the Steelers are still probably think about getting a quarterback um, in there, you know um, because they do have to find that that fix for the future, and so they got a defense that is going to be better. And obviously, they've locked up a key number of players, so they'll be ready to go. The offense, you know, with, G- with Johnson and Claypool, um, and This have some you know promising touch to it as well. I think the main thing to watch. Um, for the Steelers is what does Mike Tomlin really want to do with his quarterbacks and how does he want to build this offensive line up you know now Trubisky uh, can throw from the pocket, he can make a lot of good throws uh, but he can also miss a lot of throws and make mistakes as well so you know the key thing obviously for Mr Trubisky in Pittsburgh is that he doesn't get, a, he's gonna get a, an actual, start, actual chance to be a starting quarterback and so you know, if he can just find a way to buy into Steelers' philosophy and kind of earn Mike Tomlin's kind of approval, then he could be their starting quarterback. And, I mean, he should help them in some ways in that division. Um, but it's going to be hard to see them winning a lot of games with his play. Um, it would have to be really be good um, around him to really make it work. So I think that, you know, you got... Harris at the running back spot, you have the wideouts, so uh, it's all about chemistry and can Trubisky actually continue the success that he had, um, that he had in Boston Steelers. Well so a lot more expectations and pressure of playing at that spot and who you're following after. Um, it should be something to watch, but I think they should still go after a quarterback, either Malik, Malik Willis or Desmond Riddler or Kenny Pickett. Uh, but with the kind of deal he will be their starting quarterback this year, and this might be his final sh- final chance of being a starting quarterback for our team. Possibly, um, so he's got to make sure he makes it makes it worth it, and the Steelers hopefully uh, uh, um, are. Able to build around and make it so that he can perform and show them why he's deserving of that contract. Now you have Teddy Bridgewater who signs a one-year deal in Miami to back up Tua Tagovailoa. Um, Miami has been busy in free agency uh, quite a bit. You know they obviously re-signed one of their key pass rushers, uh, bringing him. In very interesting. Um, obviously a veteran quarterback does help um, and the Dolphins have been going quite a bit all out to help too as well you know with the kind of talent that they're landing you know I think Cedric Wilson wide receiver will be joining Miami as well Um, so you know they are giving him some weapons overall I mean Chase Edmonds Running back for the Cardinals last year, joining Miami as well. So, you know, you're already seeing what Mike Dan- uh, Mike McDaniel is doing. With, around, but with Tua, they are definitely building and putting weapons around him to be successful. Um, I think for Teddy Bridgewater, it's more of a opportunity where you know Tua is going to get a fair shot to start and. Play well, but obviously, if things were to go not so well, then you have a veteran quarterback who could step in and win games. So, I mean, Tua's going to get, get a fair shot. Obviously, his crucial contract year, and that's coming up after this, I believe. So, something's got to show here for Tua, and um, they are getting him some weapons that will help him, all, all, you know, obviously uh, be be, you know, really good, so um, we'll see now, because, you know, there's are just seeing around the league that, you know, the backup quarterback spot is really, really important, and so, you know, the Giants definitely have to address that, um, as well as some other teams as well, you know, but you, know, you still have Winston there, Mariota there, among a few others that are looking for a new opportunity, so um, It'll be interesting to see how that how that works out and and what takes place in that. Uh, the defending AOC champion Cincinnati Bengals made some moves as well, uh, signed a couple of offensive free agents to their rosters, and obviously that was a priority considering how Joe Burrow was sacked a whole lot this past year, and you know with getting the couple of guards that they got. Uh, you know, Bengals pass protection will be a lot better than it than it has been, uh, and that's the, that's the hope for them. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars were one of the busier teams um, as they've signed Brandon Scherf, offensive tackle. Christian Kirk signs for a four-year, $4 million dollar deal. The Jaguars. Zay Jones is going there. It was Evan Ingram. So Doug Peterson, uh, and obviously his first off-season as Jaguars head coach has done a lot more than Urban Meyer ever did at last year. Trevor Lawrence is now surrounded with a bunch of weapons. Um, you know they have quite a bit of talent now, which they spent a lot of money on. And you know Jaguars definitely uh, with this approach. Uh, are in the right direction you know you see that they're trying to spend and they're trying to put talent around Trevor Lawrence and it can only mean good things hopefully for Trevor Lawrence in his second year because we know that last year was tough and he was pressing a lot because he didn't have the talent now with the talent that they have there you know uh, they definitely have addressed some key needs on their team and we'll see now Doug Peterson can put it together with Trevor Lawrence I mean Christian Kirk getting eighty four million over four years is kind of an interesting number. I mean Kirk's had some couple of good uh he, he's had a good season or two, but uh he's yet to be determined to see how he is his number one wide receiver. How great can he be at that position? Um, but you you know, they obviously spent a number of uh you know, it's been on the defense, they spent some money as well. So, I mean, Jacksonville on paper looks a lot better. Obviously, Evan Ingram didn't really work out with as, as the Giants. He wasn't as consistent as he hoped to be, and that's why he signed a one-year deal with the Jaguars. Um, you know, I think the Jaguars still have a lot of work to do defensively. Uh, as a team probably. Uh, their offense looks a lot better than it was last year. And as we really got Trevor Lawrence now in the second year to really show that growth as well to uh, to make some moves there and, and get better. Um, you have the New York Jets who signed a guard like and Tom Tomlinson picked up CJ Uzma from Cincinnati because they're a tight end. Definitely a spot that the Jets definitely have lacked in the last few years, so CJ as well has some, some potential player. Uh, look at the offensive line, the Jets are trying to build uh, a good one there for their running game to be great, you know, and Braxton and is re-signed as well, so, you know, the Jets are doing some things positive right now, previously. Uh, we'll see if they can find a way to address that defense a little bit more uh, than they have Uh, but good signs for them as well. You have the Giants picking up some offensive guards as well, beefing on the offensive line. Obviously Daniel Jones is going to get this year to really prove himself as the future and uh, the offensive line definitely is something that has going to be addressed and so I do like the guard moves that they have made. Hopefully more to come. Saquon Barkley, although it's an interesting one, I was did a lot uh, reported news about trade offers for Saquon, and you know, does get traded, I wouldn't be upset really about it because I do think that it's just kind of been proven. The running back is important at at reach. Looking back at it now, number two overall pick, get a running back. It really didn't work out as, as it should be. So he gets traded, or he's brought back. Either way, he's gonna be in a approved year, and that will really tell his future going forward. Now, you look at um, the AFC West. I mean, it continues to get more and more interesting and and wild with the number of signings that have been taking place. I think the Raiders um, have uh, you know made some moves to help themselves compete. But look at the Denver Broncos and what they're doing they're just beefing up on that defense a lot, uh, with some players you know um, it's uh interesting time in the FC West. You look at what the Chargers have done you know JC Jackson, the top cornerback, will be joining the Chargers and he joins Asante Samuel and Urban James and Khalil Mack and Joey Wilson that defense. So the Chargers are definitely you know rising up now. Uh, their defense, they're beefing up on their defense on the cornerback side which is a good thing to see you know they obviously do want to help herbert in every way they can that defense obviously wasn't the strongest last year and they've gotten better in some areas now there as well um so interesting to see how it'll play out because like i said i think uh, the raiders made some moves some some depth signing moves as well um you know and I think that we'll see more of that to come with some of the deals that have taken place. Look at the Eagles. They signed Hassan Reddick, linebacker, who has been really productive for Carolina in his time. And the Eagles defense also on that line is getting better and better. So, um, you know, you have that. The Panthers are addressing their offensive line a little bit, which they sorely had to address because they had one of the units last year that was just really not good at all um, so you have that going down overall and you I mean, just look at it across the board a lot of teams are you know either re-signing free agents or re-signing their own or you know having extensions and so you know you look at the the uh, the, the chiefs for example i mean the chiefs definitely are going in a different direction so they you know they resign Frank Clark to a deal but they sign Justin Reed the safety from the Houston Texans instead of Tyron Matthew so Tyron Matthew will be a popular name as a, as a safety out there with Marcus Williams um, and so teams to go after overall and then you look at it um, from some other standpoints I mean as I mentioned the Chargers are uh, they did get a defensive player from the from the Rams. Um, so, there's a lot, whole lot of movement going on. A lot of teams are kind of angry for, for positions. Now, some teams that haven't been, really been that active yet are the Chicago Bears um, and the Patriots, among a few other teams. Now, the Bears, um, they released some guys, and they did bring in a player from the Cincinnati Bengals uh, on, on a deal. So you just kind of seeing some signs here and there, but the pages haven't been that busy yet. Cleveland has made some moves obviously, but a whole lot more to do, and reportedly they're interested in talking to Sean Watson, so who knows what that's all about, but uh, Baker Mayfield's, uh, uh, you know, the rumors about Baker Mayfield are only going to increase more and more as we come along, you know, in this in this offseason, um, you know. Now the Patriots are surprisingly quiet. Now they haven't been obviously huge spenders in free agency. They did last year bring in Henry and Smith. Um, but, you know, Bill Belichick has never been known to give that player that big contract all the time and it just seems like with JC Jackson going that the Pats will be looking for some cornerback help. Stefan Gilmore is a name that will be popular and coming up as cornerback with Patrick Peterson as well. So there's lots of, a lot of free agents out there that teams can go after and get. You know, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, Russell Gage, um, a few others. Um, you know, so uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch what happens the rest of the way free agency. But um, you know, all the movement is happening as you just want to see what more can happen in terms of trades. And you know, Deshaun Watson obviously is a huge one to watch as well just to see what his situation will look like coming up in the next few days will be a story I have to watch as well as I know the frequency continues on this week and into next week as well So in this next segment, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming March Madness first-round tournament games. It's going to be great to see all these teams obviously in action. Um, You know, the first four is coming up pretty soon, either today or tomorrow. So that will be fun to get into and see how that goes down. But every year in the March Madness tournament, the men's March Madness tournament, there's obviously... Number of upsets. This is kind of the kind of the year where a lot of teams surprise some of the, the top ranked seeds, and you know, for the most part, like the number one seeds obviously uh, do advance and get into the second round, third round. Uh, but there are the other seeds that sometimes do fall, and so I want to talk about the teams that I think are likely to actually lose in the first round in uh, this year's March Madness tournament. And there's quite a bit of teams that I can choose from Um, I'm gonna go probably with number of seeds that are you know three and downwards so uh, I'm gonna say a team that I think is likely to have a first round upset a team that might lose um, is Ohio State Ohio State is number seventh ranked seed um, in their region or in their bracket uh part, part of their bracket in the region that they're in and Ohio State is taking on number uh, I think on number 10 seed Loyola Chicago now Loyola Chicago is a team that uh, is capable of winning and surprising this year they have done it before in their program history um, so I think that they are a team that could give Ohio State a lot of trouble um you know, in their first round matchup head to head, you know, Ohio State has been playing some interesting basketball as of late, you know, they did not close out the regular season that well, you know, they lost, I think, four out of five games, um, and I think Lord Chicago finished on a much more of a better run to the end of their season. Uh, I think that they have a lot more momentum and they have the shooting, I think, that could give Ohio State some problems because Ohio State and most of their losses just really went through stretches of not being able to score points and have consistency at some key areas in their position. So I think Little Chicago could definitely upset Ohio State in the first round. Uh, The next team that I think might fall in the first round of the Men's March Madness Tournament this year is Colorado. Colorado State. Colorado State is a six seed as well. And They're playing Michigan. Now, Michigan has been through quite a, a roller coaster the last month or so with uh, Juwan Howard situation. Obviously, we know, you know, he obviously had an incident and he was suspended for a number of games. But Juwan Howard is back, and Michigan definitely is a team that. Um, has struggled this year, no doubt, to win some big time games and some matchups um, this year. But they are a group that could get it together and, and really play Colorado State very really well. You know, obviously, Juwan Howard with the experience that he has um, and the guard play of Michigan, they could give Colorado State a lot of problems, um, I think, defensively. you know, And you just look at it. Uh, Colorado State, you know, been able to win some good games this year, but you know they are kind of inconsistent at times with their offense and their defense. So this is a game that Michigan could make inter- you know, could make it interesting. They could find ways to make it close and tight. I think that you know if Michigan can get some solid play from their guards, especially one of their bigs as well, they could end up surprising Colorado State. Just with their overall ability to defend and uh, you know defend three-point shots, and also the inside kind of game with Michigan, I think is going to be a huge challenge for Colorado State. So I think that's why Michigan could really upset Colorado State in the first round. I'm going to list two more teams that I think may fall in the first round. I'm going to go at number six LSU. They're taking on Iowa State. LSU has been through a lot this past week. It's been, uh, it's not been a good before for LSU basketball with all the attention that was given and, or, you know, on the program with, you know, with the head coach. I think, uh, last name I think was Wade or dropped that guy's first name. But, uh, there were a lot of recruiting violations and, and investigations found where, you know, LSU had some things happen back then and, you know, coach is out and as well as the I think um, you know president or the uh, director is out so you just look at that and uh, LSU has an interim head coach in there I think Kevin Nickelberry is the name there you know so he has a tough assignment because getting these players to play at a a good level will be kind of tough Um, you know now obviously they had some time to get past that and do that but that's still something that continues to be talked about with LSU and they're playing an Iowa State team that um, has looked better as of late they're trying to get a significant win and try to make it past the first round of the March Madness tournament Um, I think defensively they could give LSU a lot of problems I also think that you know their overall guard play is really good and For this kind of game, I think that they have a better shot of really putting LSU in a lot more situations where they may not be able to execute as well, you know. Um, So I I like Iowa State's chances of being LSU in the first round. Obviously, LSU could get past them and play a solid game because they have had some notable wins in the SEC uh, this season. But this is one where I feel like Iowa State might have a lot more ability to get things done. and really put them in a hole uh, in terms of just the lead and the rebounding advantage. I think that the second chance opportunities for Iowa State could be a lot more maximized in this game uh, when it comes to it. And then I think the final team that I would say is likely to lose in the first round, if I had to go with one, I'm going to say Texas. All right, they're taking on Virginia Tech, who is coming off an impressive ACC tournament. Uh, victory where they beat Duke um, for the ACC title. Virginia Tech is a team that um, has gotten better and better toward the second half of the season. They have played really well as of late. Um, Texas, you look at it, you know they are on a losing streak uh, heading into the post- heading into the March Madness, you know first round matchup. Uh, I think Virginia Tech is more confident, more prepared to really continue to. Uh, Expose Texas in terms of their you know their deficiencies during the losing streak. Um, Texas could surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they do end up winning. But Virginia Tech just looks like a much more solid team. They're playing a lot better. And during this tournament run, they had some impressive games where their defense and their guard play stood out. So I think that Texas is in huge, huge uh, trouble against Virginia Tech in their first round matchup coming up uh, later this week. So now I want to make a transition and talk about the NBA. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, there's obviously a lot of things going on with you know, baseball free agency and, and the NFL free agency. Um, and NBA obviously, you know, teams that are starting to heat up and gets back some star players. And um, I've been obviously doing a, a, an outlook for all the playoff teams that will be in this year's NBA postseason. And I want to talk about two teams now that are... Seventh and eighth, respectively, um, in the Eastern Conference, and that would be the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets. So, we'll start with the Toronto Raptors um, and their biggest questions heading into postseason. But uh, first, we look at Toronto. Uh, they've had a nice bounce back season. Obviously, last year was a tough injury, tough year for them as a, as, a, as a whole. They had a lot of injuries last year. They Didn't play their best ball were inconsistent. They were 27 and 45 last year, and obviously they have turned it around this year, being 38 and 30. Look at Scotty Barnes; he's been a huge uh, contributor and player to this Toronto Raptors team. We've seen Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet play a lot better and in in chemistry with each other this year. You know they're getting it done. They're kind of validating their contracts and playing up to their level of expectations that that were there before. Look at Nick Nurse. He's been able to do some nice things with this overall unit. Uh, you know, managing certain things and getting rotation set. So Toronto has been playing a lot better, more competitive games. Uh, their offense is coming along really, really nicely as as well. So you know, they're an interesting team that you know could be an interesting challenge for any you know the top season in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, they they have some flexibility. They are. Uh, the rebounding and their you know assist making is really helping this team overall so you know they are a team to really really watch carefully Um, you know in terms of uh, what they can do if they play collectively well together Gary Trent has has been able to do some nice things there you know continue to, to rise as a player a solid contributor to this team so I think the two biggest questions facing the Toronto Raptors in this year's NBA postseason, I think the first question is, you know, can we see Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet along with Scottie Barnes deliver in terms of, you know, impact performance in the postseason? You know, Siakam has been a player that has emerged really nicely. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard was there a number of years ago, or a few years ago, and Siakam has been to improve and get better but it's about consistency is about impact performances and so Fred Van Fleet you know was signed obviously, look at Siakam was signed, Scottie Barnes obviously playing uh, and coming up as a young talent you know you want to see can they deliver those impact performances that are needed to be had to win a playoff game, win a playoff series you know you do want to see that from these guys who are the you know, new core of this team, Alam and Gary Trent you know it's all about impact performances and playing to the best of their abilities And so, can Toronto get the best out of these three or four guys when they need the most in the postseason? And then the second biggest question is: is that can Nick Nurse find a way to get more out of the second unit? You know, is he going to go to different lineup changes when the postseason starts? The second unit for Toronto, you know, they've had their flashes this season where they've played extremely well, but other times they have been non-existent. Um, So, how does Nick Nurse? use the second unit, you know, what does he do to, to change it up a little bit so that this rotation can be experienced and handle those adjustments in postseason. I think Nick Nurse, more importantly, he's shown before that he can be a good coach with some of the talent around him. Obviously, with the younger talent now he has, he's got to really find ways to be creative and more better than he's been on his coaching career, being able to adapt to certain things really, really well. That second unit is part of that process, I think, and we'll see how he can go about doing that So now we have the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Now the Brooklyn Nets obviously um, have been through a of server season where they obviously started out with having Harden and Durant and Irving and things obviously have switched so much to the point where you know now they have Ben Simmons and James Harden's in Philadelphia and the Nets are sitting at, I think, at 35 and 33 you know, they have gotten some life now because Kevin Durant's return from injury. Obviously, and that's are on a small win streak right now. They obviously are getting the best of KD. Uh, Kyrie obviously has showed up and played well on the road when he's been available. Um, and you're seeing the surrounding pieces around these two start to play some quality minutes. You know, with Seth Curry finding his touch. Uh, Patty Mills as well, Andre Drummond, and Bruce Brown. Uh, they all have been able to step up. Cam Thomas is a nice story as well. So Brooklyn has been able to find some success. It's been an interesting season because we know that you know there was obviously a lot of tension, a lot of things reported about James Harden and how he was in Brooklyn, and Kevin Durant's relationship with everyone, and Kyrie. Obviously, the mandate uh, is still in effect, and... It continues to be confusing uh, at times to figure out what it is but um, the Nets despite all that are getting better at the right time. Um, ben Simmons actually got the debut for this Nets team so you know who knows when he'll be able to play and how many games that he'll have to come back and play with this roster you know but uh, the Nets obviously gave up quite a bit and uh, we'll see now if they can make it work with Ben Simmons when he's back in the fold. Now Steve Nash has done some things better at times during this season. He's been able to put it together and, and find some things going on. So you know Kevin Durant obviously is a key to everything and how well does he continue to play at a high level. we can kind of really kind of dictate where this next team goes uh, because there will be a lot of pressure on him no doubt. Uh, In the play-in tournament game and when they have their first-round matchup, which they they should have, uh, all eyes will be on Kevin Durant for sure. So, I think the two biggest questions for the Brooklyn Nets, um, I think the first question is, you know, will Ben Simmons be able to do anything? Will he be able to contribute to the Nets at all? as they wind up and get ready for that play-in tournament game or the postseason action. Can Ben Simmons, you know, show some type of form? Now, he hasn't played basketball since last summer. Um, His conditioning has been probably on and off, dealing with obviously issues with his back and this and that, you know. So, you know, what kind of Ben Simmons will we get? If he does play at all for the Brooklyn Nets this year, you know, will he be the guy defensively that will be locked in and help this team, um, or will we see him, you know, uh, be a you know a great facilitator and uh, you know defensive asset? It's going to be interesting to see how he's used and what kind of Ben Simmons does show up on the court when he's committed to playing for a team that obviously did want him, you know, did did want him, and you know they obviously. Uh, Are expecting a lot out of him, probably in some capacity. So, you know, his ability to be on the court and how much he plays down the stretch will be a huge thing to watch for the Brooklyn Nets. And then the second key is, um, second question for the Nets is can Kevin Durant get it done, you know, without Kyrie at home with the supporting cast? Um, you know, now, now looking at it, they might play Toronto, um, you know. At their arena you know so that might be something that will be tough to see but the key thing is that there's talent around the Nets we have seen them we've seen you know Aldridge and Claxton and everyone else I mentioned with with Curry and uh, Andre Drummond you know with Cam Thomas so can KD get it done you know, can KD get it done um, on the road sorry I mean at, at home games you know, can he be uh, that top notch MVP, two time champion type of player that can get it done with the supporting cast he has around him? So, obviously tried to do that. And yes, Kyrie Irving somewhat falls into this group as well. Obviously, you know, a, a better way to put this question probably is can Kyrie and Durant get it done on the road as well at, as on the road and at home? Uh, so, obviously, at home games, Kyrie can't play, but on the road, you know, you have a lot of net players. There are some experienced players, Patty Mills and Aldridge. but can everyone else step it up around KD and Kyrie uh, to elevate this team? Can they hang with the top Eastern Conference teams when they get to that point? It's going to be a lot on these younger players and some of these veteran players around KD um, or Kyrie to get it done, and, you know, we'll see that. You know, come to its full effect if they get to the first round and pass that, you know that young core, you know Steve Nash will have a lot of things to figure out. But you know, can they get it done with the supporting cast, or do they do they need more to win a championship? Uh, and that will be a question that whether Kyrie plays at home or is you know is allowed to play at home or is playing on the road games, you know, the question will be asked: Can Katie and Kevin Durant get it done? The time matters the most against some of the best elite teams in the Eastern Conference.